0: Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is a message brought to our church by one of the men of Moses Lake Baptist Church. We hope that it is a blessing to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. All right, well, as I mentioned earlier, if you would turn in your Bibles to James chapter 3. James chapter 3. All right, and uh, the title of this message is "Playing with Fire." Uh, now, if I was pastor, I might have a great illustration of a time I played with fire. Pa- I know pastors mentioned in the past, uh, kind of uh, it's a pyromaniac, I believe is the is the term for it. Uh, but I don't have any big uh, examples of me myself playing with fire. Uh, we all know that fire is incredibly dangerous. It can be incredibly uh, helpful or incredibly hurtful. And uh, as we're going to see today from Scripture, uh, the tongue, our speech, the words that we say are likened to a fire. They're likened to something that can be incredibly devastating uh, or can be very helpful. Um The one example I do have, kind of an introduction to this message, is kind of a good example of the effect that words can have. It was maybe six or seven years ago now. I was over at a friend's house, and uh, we were all kind of joking. We were playing together. Uh, I think there was maybe a game or something that we were enjoying. And as we were going about uh, just kind of joking and talking One of the guys said something to me that my wife never ceases to crack up about. It makes Samantha laugh every time when uh, I bring up the fact that one of my buddies in high school said I had a soccer ball shaped head. Now, if just a regular someone says that about you, you know, it's, it's a weird statement to make that someone has a soccer ball shaped head. Uh, But this person in particular had played soccer uh, since about kindergarten or so and all the way through had played in some very competitive leagues, uh, was very good at soccer. And so uh, it, uh, it kind of struck me. It was words that really it's not that much of an insult, but it always makes my wife laugh. Because especially when I haven't had a haircut in a while, I'll wake up, I'll look at my head and it does kind of look like a soccer ball. Words can stick with someone far longer than almost anything else. If someone physically wounds you, uh, that wound can heal in a little bit of time. But words are so vitally important in our lives as Christians, and this is what uh, is being talked about here in James chapter 3. Now, the book of James, if you'll recall, uh, is written from one of the pastors of the church at Jerusalem, and uh, In this church, there was uh, a lot of different things that were happening. If you look in chapter one, uh, you had some of uh, the believers there were concerned about the trials that they were going through, about the persecution that they were enduring, and they weren't really sure what their next steps were supposed to be. So James encourages them to have wisdom. Uh, Not only that, but there were some people that were hearing the messages that were being preached. They were hearing the admonition from the word of God, and yet they were then kind of going around and they were... Uh, being cruel in speech to others Uh, there was just a lot of kind of animosity going around and so James encourages the believers uh, there in the end part of chapter one hey I want you to not just hear the word of God but I want you to act on it not only that but in chapter two we can see some kind of favoritism Taking place, You see, there were some people in the church at Jerusalem that were rather wealthy, and uh, they had the nice clothes, and they would be the ones that would maybe be able to make uh, good donations to the church or help out people in a bigger way. And there were some people in the church that were just poor, that they didn't have a lot. And uh, some of the people in the church at Jerusalem uh, were showing favoritism to the people that were rich because they could do things for them, and they were really disregarding the poor. And James says, you shouldn't be doing this. Faith, your belief in God is proven by your works. No one will know that you're saved if you're living just as though you didn't know Christ. So that's what he's been talking about in the, in the chapters previous to this. He says, hey... I want you to ask God for wisdom. I want you to hear and obey the word. I want you to not show favoritism uh, to one group of people over another group of people. Love them all equally. And uh, not only that, but your faith proves or your works prove your faith to others around you. In that same line of thought, then, we come to James chapter 3, and we're kind of going to go through this passage as we go along, so let's jump right into verse number 1, and we see here this first thought that James is making is that there is a desire for maturity that he has for the believers. He says this, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation, for in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. We see here he's talking to uh, really his his family members. A lot of these people would be Jews, as James was. And so he's talking here to his family, his uh, distant cousins, if you will. Some of them would actually be his brothers, his sisters, family members. And he encourages them here. You can see at the at the top of uh, the screen there, my brethren, be not many masters. And here the word is uh, the word for teacher. It's didaskalos. He says, I don't want all of you to become teachers. He says, don't many of you become teachers. Why would he say this? Gives the explanation here, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. What he's saying there is the people that are teaching God's word are going to have God judge the words that they're teaching to other people. Uh, When pastor stands up here on a Sunday, he's got a great weight on him that he would accurately preach the word of God, that he wouldn't be preaching maybe his own thoughts or uh, maybe just something that people would want to hear. Instead, pastor has this obligation of the Lord to only preach what God has said, and so because of this greater judgment, James encourages the believers, hey, I don't want all of you to become teachers. There's a great weight. There's a great judgment that comes in teaching, and then he goes on and kind of further explains this. He says in verse number two, for in many things we offend all. He says here, each one of us uh, offend or stumble. Each one of us trip up, Is what he's saying. He says, if any man offend or stumbles not in word, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. This word here, perfect, isn't necessarily saying he will become a sinless man. Uh, The thought kind of would be when I was younger, oh, if I can just put duct tape on my mouth and maybe not have a phone or not have a Facebook or something, if no words come out of my mouth, then I can't sin. I will be perfect. Uh, That's not necessarily what James is saying here. Uh, The word here is a word meaning complete, uh, mature. If you want to be a mature Christian, one of the most important things you can do is to restrain your speech. And uh, I like this word bridle. He'll talk about it here again in just a second in in reference to horses. But this word bridle means to keep in check, to restrain. Uh, We'll learn a little bit later more about the tongue, but can I just start off by saying this, that our tongues, our speech, our words, uh, even now our online communication uh, is something that Unrestrained, unchecked by the Spirit of God, uh, if we just allow ourselves to say whatever we want to say, uh, is going to cause detrimental effects to our spiritual life, to our testimony with others. And uh, we can see here in now verses 3 through 5, a direction is made. Uh, he talks about the fact that he desires maturity, he desires uh, completeness for the believers, and he talks about that. But now he gives an example. Uh, He's told us, hey, if you're able to restrain, if you're able to uh, keep your tongue in check, your communication, your speech, God honoring, uh, it will cause you to be mature in your faith. But now he says here, behold, we put bits in the horse's mouths that they may obey us. And we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. He gives two examples here. The first is with a horse and a bit in the horse's mouth. Uh, Even though a horse weighs many hundreds of pounds, you can have people that will ride them. I remember as uh, just kids, me and my younger siblings, uh, even as young as I think my younger sister Hannah was maybe six years old and she was riding a horse. And because of, uh, because of a bridle, she was able to turn this huge horse that would never have uh, maybe listened to the instructions of a six-year-old girl. That horse went wherever Hannah wanted it to go. It was just a small thing that had big impact in direction. Not only that, but we can see in verse number four where he, set, where he talks about the ships. And uh, even though ships are huge, oftentimes they're simply turned about uh, by a helm. Or uh, I guess you could kind of say for a modern day example might be you'd have a big 18-wheeler truck that's just turned with a little steering wheel that compared to the whole size of the vehicle is incredibly small, but it has a huge impact on the direction. He makes then the application in verse number five, even so, or just in that same way, the tongue is a little member. It's just a little body part. And boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. Uh, this word matter here is uh, literally the word like forest, timber, brushwood. He says that there is a great forest that a little fire can kindle. Um, Over the years, I know growing up in Colorado and even a couple years ago uh, when I was going to college in California, uh, there were these incredible wildfires uh, that would take out hundreds of thousands of acres and they would all start by just a spark. They would start with just a small fire and it would have uh, really egregious impact. Just as the bit directs where the horse goes and the helm or the steering wheel directs where the ship or the 18-wheeler goes, the tongue directs where our actions, mind, and testimony go. Uh, there's kind of two, two things with this. The first is that the words we say are indicative of the direction of our heart and mind. Uh, Luke 6.45 says, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth that which is good. When there's goodness inside, when there's good, right things inside, good things will come out. But he says, an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth that which is evil, for out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. Sometimes we'd uh, like to tell ourselves, hey, uh, I know I said something that I shouldn't have. I know I told a lie that I shouldn't have. I know that I uh, reacted in anger when I shouldn't have but it's okay, it was just a a temporary slip up and and I'm all all good right now, everything's great. When the honest truth is that oftentimes, the words that we say will reveal to us what's in our heart. If our communication, if the words that we're saying, if the things that we're posting, if how we comment to people, if they're not good words, if they're not kind words, if they're not uh, peaceful words, then we really ought to look at our own hearts and lives and go, God, I see that there's a problem here. Not only, though, do words, uh, not only are they indicative of the way that our heart and mind are already going, uh, because if our words in person or online are filled with profanity, inappropriate topics, uh, bitterness, lies, anger, or slander, it's a good indication that something's not right in our hearts. But not only are the words indicative of the direction we're already going, but they help to shape the direction our hearts and minds will go in the future. You see, every, every bank robbery that's ever taken place has had a lot of communication that went into it. Uh, for every time that there's been maybe embezzlement of funds, there were some words that were said. In our life, when we uh, say things that we shouldn't, maybe when we say things to someone that we shouldn't, when we spread gossip, maybe when uh, any of these things are happening, it helps to shape the direction that we're going to go, especially as it relates to other people and maybe sins that uh, we would commit with other people. Those don't happen without communication. Those don't happen without you saying things that you shouldn't. And uh, in that way, a direction is made when we use our tongues, when we use our speech for things we shouldn't. Not only did we see first that there was a desire for maturity and a direction being made through our words, but we can see in verses six through eight that there's destruction that is magnified, uh, that there's destruction that is magnified. In verses six through eight, he says this, the tongue is a fire a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it, defileth, uh, that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire of hell. He says, for every kind of beasts and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. We see here that the tongue destroys everything in its path. It destroys its users' reputation, their friendships, their influence, their marriages, and on and on. Not only that, but the tongue destroys others. For many people already in Generation Z, which would be uh, kind of my generation and lower, we've already seen the catastrophic tragedy of other people's hurtful words results in suicide, self-harm, and lifelong mental scars that people deal with. Uh, there's an application that's been made here uh, from verse number six, where it says, the tongue is a fire, the world of iniquity, so is the tongue among our members. And here, James could be talking about our our own physical body parts, that the tongue helps All the rest of us to be able to sin. The words that we say can help us uh, result in anger. The words that we say can help us uh, maybe rob people. The words that we say uh, can help us to gossip so that it's uh, it's defiling our whole body that now everything that we're doing is committing sin because of what our tongue has done. But there's also an example that can be made of the members of a church uh, that the tongue, uh, gossip or slander or discontent, uh, can spread from one person to another so easily. And it can there, uh, it defile the whole body. That uh, there's been many examples uh through history, even in the past couple of years of people that uh, maybe they, they didn't like the pastor or they didn't like some specific aspect of the church and they would gossip about it and they would slander and it's led to whole churches now not having the gospel witness that they would want to uh, in a community because of unruly tongues. Uh, there in verse number 8 Uh, in really verses 7 and 8, James gives this example. He says uh, that the tongue is a fire. And uh, he gives this example of the fact that the tongue is like a wild animal that no one can tame. He says every kind of beast, if you think of maybe elephants, if you think of uh, maybe any of these um, animals that are huge, that are impressive, giraffes, lions, All of these beasts have been tamed. Some people keep them as pets. A lot of uh, zoos have incredible animals in them because they've been more or less tamed by humans. He says birds have been tamed. It's always astonished me that people have been able to have uh, either pet falcons or hunting falcons, uh, birds that are incredible hunters that can uh, fly wherever they would want to, but they can be tamed of serpents. I I hate snakes. Uh, if you do like snakes, I'm praying for you and, and your heart. Uh, I hate snakes. They've always creeped me out. Uh, other people have, um, friends of mine even, have had pet snakes, and I can't understand it, but they've been able, more or less, to tame serpents, and he says, of things in the sea. Uh, it It's uh, cracked me up when there's been people that have had pet sharks that were uh, maybe little. Obviously, aquariums have all of these animals as well. Everything in creation uh, really has been tamed at some point of mankind. And he says, all of these things can just be put down by regular practice, uh, by human effort. They're able to take care of these animals. They can make it so the tiger uh, isn't actively trying to eat them. They can make it so the snake relies on the food from the human rather than on the food of the human. But he says here, the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. And he makes an allusion here uh, where he says it's full of deadly poison to Psalm 140. Uh, We would know another place where uh, the Apostle Paul would quote it uh, in Romans chapter 3 where he talks about uh, sinful humanity that our, our tongues, our speech is like that of a poisonous serpent that it is full of poison that we spread to other people. Here, uh, the word unruly in this verse as well, the tongue can no man tame, it's an unruly evil. It it has this idea that of anarchy, it's an unwillingness to be ruled. He says the tongue doesn't want to be ruled. And here where it says uh, the tongue can no man tame, uh, that word is dunatai or we'd be more familiar maybe with uh, dunamoss, or where we get our word uh, dynamite, we are literally unable to control this unwilling evil of our tongue. You'd say, that doesn't sound like good news. And really it's not if all we had was the same uh, maybe energy, if all we had was the same power as uh, we have to tame animals. If all we had was human ingenuity to be able to control everything that our mind thinks and that our tongue says or that we would put online, if all we had was human strength, we would really be in trouble. We don't want to have, uh, going back to the beginning of verse 6, we don't want to have a world of iniquity being in us. We don't want to have our whole body defiled. We don't want uh, the course of nature, the course of our life to be set on fire by hell. Uh, I do want to say just in connection with the previous thought that he had made about the direction of our life, uh, both being shown and being propelled by our speech, uh, here where it says, and setteth on fire the course Nature, the course of nature, uh, the word for it is uh, trochos in the Greek. It literally means a wheel. It's how your life is progressing and going faster and faster. We can set our lives and our life's course on fire, being destroyed because of the words that we say. Can you see there that our words are important? Uh, There's been many people that because of uh, comments they've made, whether it's been uh, maybe inappropriate or uh, in some cases racist things that people have said that uh, maybe employers have looked at later and they've gone, man, this person has a filthy mouth. This person has said things that demean and destroy other people. And uh, there's been lots of consequences for people because of that. And uh, the tongue makes such an impact and the destruction that it causes is magnified when it's left unchecked. But James goes and says one more thing here uh, in this passage just to kind of even further tell the members of this church at Jerusalem and tell us today why our tongue is so important. The next point really that he makes is that there is a disrespect that's maintained when it comes to our tongue. He says this, therewith bless we God, even the father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine, figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Here we see here that James is addressing uh, kind of the heart of a lot of these people's tongue issues. A lot of the things that they were saying that really he's he's talking to them about. Here's why he's saying, hey, Your tongue is setting a direction for your life that you don't want. It's setting your life on fire and it's having consequences in your church. He says here, therewith, bless we God. With our tongue, we praise God. Uh, I love being able, now that uh, we've kind of been back as a church for a little bit, being able to hear people sing. I forget which service it was uh, that I've been so used to um, singing into the microphone and it bouncing right off the back wall and coming back at me and that being the only sound. I've loved getting to hear God's people sing praises and uh, really having my own uh, voice drowned out. I love it. I love hearing our church sing. But here James says, Therewith, bless we God, we're praising God. He says, even the Father, or specifically our Father. But he says, on the other side of it, and therewith, curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Uh, the word curse, or when you read about cursing in the Bible, we w- shouldn't think about it in the same way necessarily as we're thinking uh, profanity nowadays. Cursing during Bible times uh, was to tear down someone or to wish them harm. Uh, Oftentimes you'd have uh, people would say, uh, kind of in a bad way, you'd say, I hope you break a leg by, and then they'd swear by whatever deity it was. So Uh, By Moloch, uh, I believe, was one of the gods of Babylon. By Moloch, I hope you die and your house is made a dunghill and all of these things that they would say. Uh, There was a thought that if you uh, invoked the name of a particular deity or a particular uh, power or strength, you could actually bring down whatever this curse was onto other people, that you would wish them harm that you would tear them down, uh, ruin their life. And here, James says, hey, you're, you're doing, you're pretending like you're praising God, while at the same time, either later that day, maybe as they were meeting as a church, or throughout that week, now they were cursing that they were tearing down and wishing harm to other people, and he says here, which are made after the similitude of God. He says, God made these people in his own image, so why are you cursing? them? He says, out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. You see, our praise of God is canceled in the ears of those that hear it when they also hear us insult, belittle, tear down and wish harm to others not only that but God doesn't receive glory from a hypocritical Christian who demeans those that God has made and is the sole true judge of you see when we're tearing people down uh, we are telling God that his timing for judgment and that his judgment are not enough he also needs our help with the judging uh, Romans 14 addresses this. Paul says, For none of us lives to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. And whether we die, we die unto the Lord. He says, hey, as Christians, our lives are dedicated to Christ. He's the one that we're working for. He's the one that we're living towards, each one of us. So he says, For to this end, Christ both died and, and revived, that he might be Lord, both of the dead. And living. He says, But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you set it not, or or make empty, or make uh, useless, or vain your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. When we insult, demean, accuse, and tear down others, we are in effect telling God that his judgment and his timing for that judgment are insufficient. And as we can kind of uh, look through the rest of the book of James, uh, we can see a little bit of the context of maybe some of the things specifically that James was talking about. When we tear down people for uh, their class, as we saw in chapter two, um, nowadays maybe their bodies, their families, or their race, we tell God that he made mistakes when it comes to how he made them. Uh, Many of us would maybe be familiar with, uh, like in high school or something, uh, when people would be cruel to people, uh, maybe if they were a little bit bigger, uh, when people maybe uh, didn't have the most pretty face. I I know what that's like, not having a pretty face. Uh, Whatever it would be, we're all used to hearing people demean others uh, for many, many different reasons. And here we have James telling the church at Jerusalem, hey, when you are using your tongue to curse, to demean, to bring down other people, uh, maybe even sometimes those that were their enemies, we cancel out any praise any blessing that we're giving to God because it's coming out of a hypocritical a double minded life. Uh, he addresses that in chapter one and uh, verses I believe it's five through ten or eleven or so where he talks about the fact that we can't live both for God and for our own uh, for our own way for the world for our own pleasure. Instead, we need to decide, hey, I'm going to use my tongue and my speech for the Lord. You'd say, okay, well, what kind of speech is that? What's the kind of speech that I'm supposed to have before the Lord? And we can find the answer to that uh, in Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 8. And here he says, finally, brethren whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. And though this verse in particular is talking about what we think of, uh, there's also an application to what we think about is what we're going to say. And so in this, we need to say things that are true. We need to say things that are honest. If we're ever unsure if something is true, maybe about another person, maybe about an event, we need to only speak the things that we know to be true. Here's why. When we lie because we like the lie, when we're saying something untrue about another person because we know other bad things that they've done, and so we think, oh, maybe then everything bad that we can say about a person would be true. We're lying, and lying is one of the things that God says is an abomination to him. Not only that, but another one of the things that God mentions in, in Proverbs that are an abomination is he that sows discord among the brethren. Church, can I encourage you that when we're using our tongue, when we're using our speech, either in person with other people or when we're doing it online, that we need to have uh, this thought in mind from this passage, that the tongue is a fire, that it's destructive and that it can set the direction for our life. That there is a consequence to our praise of God, to uh, our walk with God even, when we decide that we're going to uh, use our tongues for things that are not honoring to the Lord. This message really uh, convicted me because sometimes it can be so easy to just say whatever comes to mind. But I've always been convicted by a thought that my dad uh, always said growing up from uh, the book of Proverbs, he, he would say, some people just take it as a point of pride. Well, I just speak what's on my mind. Well, I'm just honest, and by that they meant nothing gets filtered through what I'm I'm saying or what I'm going to say. And My dad would quote the verse from Proverbs that would say, a fool uttereth all of his mind. And can I encourage you, as we learned uh, during the revival, uh, that we're not going to have any victory Uh, over our tongue, over our speech, just through uh, self-will, as we learned about. Uh, The tongue can no man tame, as verse number eight of James three says. Instead, we have to rely on the Holy Spirit, that when it comes to really each conversation that we're having, really each word that we say, we need to go to the Lord and rely on the Holy Spirit and just say, Lord, please help me. And in of myself, I can't clean up my speech. I can't tame my tongue. But Lord, you've bought me. You've redeemed me. And 1 John 1, 9 says that as I confess my sins, you're faithful and just both to forgive me and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. So Lord, in this moment, in this conversation with this person, I'm going to ask that you would control my actions, that I would follow your will and not my own. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.